Greetings and welcome to the fourth episode of the Yanks Go Marching Podcast. Coming to you live this week from Greenwich, Connecticut and Rocky Mountain High, Colorado. I'm your host, Patrick McDonald, and with me always, every week, is my good friend, Chris Kaminsky. Chris, how, Chris, how are you doing? I am yet again cold as shit. I think it only snows on days that we record. So uh, in honor of, uh, I, well, at least warmer living, I'm drinking a Tecate, uh, but this time out of a Stella glass, so don't hate me. Yeah. Despite the fact that I happen to be uh, sequestered up in uh, Connecticut for the night, I am drinking a New Jersey haphazard, R- River Horse haphazard pale ale. Uh, it is delicious. And Jason is keeping it sober tonight. So, all right, we got a We're sorry. How else is going to steer the ship? Yeah, it's true. We do need a sober producer. All right, we got lots to talk about. Uh, the biggest news this week is actually goes beyond soccer, but has a uh, direct uh, impact on the U.S. upcoming friendly against Ukraine uh, due to the political unrest in Ukraine and the fact that their president now appears to be on the run. Uh, the United States friendly has been moved to Cyprus. This uh, word is just not going to affect much of the preparation or anything for the team. They just got to switch where their charter flight goes to and their hotel goes to when they get on the ground because they're doing all their training in Germany. Chris, what do you think about the overall move? Uh, do you think it was necessary and all that good stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, players can't play if they're you know, worried for their safety and whatnot. And from what I understand, things are pretty bad. They're not quite as bad, you know, outside of Kiev, but um, still. You don't want to take any chances with a game like that. And, you know, Cyprus is a good place as any, I guess. I've never been to Cyprus, but it sounds nice. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Um, you know, it's the it's hard to send uh, the U.S. US national team into a place that's in uh, chaos right now. Uh, Kharkiv uh, was apparently a stronghold for – apparently a stronghold for the former president whose name is escaping me right now. Um, and – you really don't consider the United States supported the revolution. You probably don't want to send American soldiers or American soldiers, American soccer players into that environment. So, uh, I definitely agree. Uh, do you think there will be any effect on their prep? Do you think they'll be able to make this move? No problem. Oh, it's going to be a lot easier to play it in Cyprus than it would be to play it in, in yeah. for sure. I mean, I, I don't see any big, effects coming from it. I mean, I think the, the Ukrainian players may be affected and may be an advantage for the U.S., even though it's just a friendly. But, yeah, I think it's it's pretty much fine for them to be there. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> big news going into this camp. I mean, big news depending on how you feel uh, yeah, about it. Uh, word has come that Julian Green, the Bayern Munich youth national player whose uh, father is a former American soldier and mother is German, uh, is going to train with the United States national team ahead of this friendly. Uh, there were some reports early that word has come out of his mouth that he wanted to commit to the United States, but now word comes that he's still not sure where he wants to commit his na- national team future. Green Ken, he has uh, mostly gotten his minutes in with Bayern Munich 2, 
very few minutes in for the first team. All his goals have come in that second team. Apparently, uh, Green can play on the wing, which is uh, something that the United States national team right now is very much not very deep at. Uh, Chris, if he commits to the United States before June, what are this kid's prospects of making the World Cup roster? Well, I mean, that's a really good question because I think you're maybe asking it in the wrong order. Um, I think maybe you know he's looking for Jurgen to commit to him before the World Cup. Uh, you know, these soccer players, they all like to be courted. They want to know that they're going to get a playing time. They're going to be central to a team's uh, plans moving forward. Uh, and they, you know, they want their skills to go to the highest bidder. Uh, and so I think, you know, seeing him play may involve someone giving him some assurances that, you know, that he's going to be central to, to what's going on with the U.S. team. I, I, I don't think that, um, he would feature very prominently. I'm not even sure if there's a place for him on the team uh, in the World Cup, even if he does commit by then. Uh, so I'm, I'd be hesitant if I were Jurgen to, you know, hand him the keys to Mom's car uh, if if you're not really planning on centering things around him. Now we're going to need good wing play after this World Cup because obviously uh, Landon's going to be done. Um, maybe uh, Dempsey's already done, but the way he's playing at Fulham, but uh, you know, there's an opportunity there going forward for him, but it, it may not be in this World Cup. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. I think there's a little bit too much of a rush to, you know, make this kid the next uh, whatever. You know, I, I think there's that Bayern Munich that everybody's going crazy about. But Julian Grimm, if he reminds me of anyone right now, it's Terrence Boyd. And it was the same yeah. thing. He was lighting up the reserve leagues in Germany. And he's a perfectly fine player. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Uh, and I think there's a very good chance he will make the World Cup. You know, to, to steal from the guys, to steal from the guys real quick on, uh, you know, uh, the best soccer show, they said the luster has kind of worn off on Terrence Boyd. Like, he's okay, but we're not all gaga anymore. And I think if we rush into things with Julian Green, it could very well be the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, we can't get our, uh, our star spangled thongs in a twist over this guy or any guy like that. I mean, I think Americans tend to have, a tendency to really want the next best thing. We worked ourselves into that trap with Freddie Adu, and you know we could go through the long list of guys that that we expect, um, uh, you know, to take off. And you know, doing it at, at a reserve level is not the same thing as doing it at an elite level, a first division level, or on the world stage. And so, uh, you know, giving him any opportunity that he hasn't completely earned not only sends the wrong message to him, it sends the wrong message to the rest of the players on your team. And that's something that Jurgen's going to want to avoid going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Another player you actually just brought up that we should probably talk about and who actually may make this upcoming Ukraine roster, uh, depending on how soon he goes back to Seattle is Clint Dempsey. Uh, Clint Dempsey for the past, I believe it was three games has not made the game day roster for Fulham. Uh, I mean, at this point, they all know he's not going to help in the relegation battle. So even if he did somehow turn it around in training, they have no incentive to play him. What do you think went wrong here? Like it, This was supposed to be a great move. This was supposed to be his homecoming, his last hurrah. In many ways, kind of like, I mean, I'm probably, you know, getting a little... You know, 
going with hyperbole here, but uh, kind of like Henri's returned Arsenal a few years ago. This was supposed to be uh, Dempsey saving Fulham. It was a disaster. Uh, is this Fulham? Is this is this Clint Dempsey? Uh, what do you think? I mean, what what's the what went wrong here? Uh- it's hard to say. I mean, you thought that there was a chance once Muhlenstein got sacked that uh, McGoth was going to, you know, bring Dempsey back into the picture. It's hard to see what happens in the training room, right? I mean, that's that's what you really want to see is, you know, what how he's working, how he's working with the rest of the team before, you know, they get on the pitch. Because that determines a lot about how these managers set their team, uh, tactics and everything like that. And, you know, let's be honest, I I did watch uh, Fulham this weekend, but um, I hadn't watched a lot of it uh, before. And they seem to have moments of energy uh, this week, but generally lackluster. Uh, Not, uh, you know, like we expect, not a lot of good play through the middle, um, not a lot of good possession, but some moments of counterattacking spark. Uh, So I I don't know if we can, can chalk it up to tactics. I don't know if we can chalk it up to, Clint being disinterested. I haven't seen since he went to Seattle, though, the same fire mm-hmm. that we associate with, uh, you know, a healthy on form Clint Dempsey. He's the guy, you know, who, who, you know, releases a rap album knowing that people are going to make fun of him, but he's just like, F you guys anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, he, do- he hasn't had the same passion for me. He hasn't had the same fire. He hasn't had the same spark in his eye. He hasn't had the same endeavor going forward. Uh, the same cheekiness with with the type of stuff uh, that he tries to accomplish on the on the pitch. So I, that's not an answer to your question. It's a it, it's just a leads to a bigger question because who the hell knows what's going on with him and who the hell knows what's going on with with Fulham. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, it's 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 hard to chalk it up to Fulham because I mean I think we did that early in uh, Josie's uh, run at Sunderland, and then we noticed that there was a little more problems there than just the badness of the team. And I think you could very well do that exact same thing here. Because uh, let's face it, Clint didn't play, as you said, did not play well, uh, particularly well in his return to MLS. He had a few moments here and there, but nothing to warrant at least what he's being paid or the ex- overall excitement of his return. It's, yeah, it, it's worrisome, certainly, coming into the uh, coming into the World Cup with the World Cup only a few months away. He's got to get somehow get untracked at Seattle, and it would seem like the best move right now would be for him to get on the first plane. And as Steve Davis wrote in an article on NBC Sports, uh, get on the first plane back to Seattle. You're you're done in Fulham. Uh, let's get some preseason reps in with your team and hit the ground running with uh, the MLS uh, starting in a, about a week and a half. Well, what, what do you think? You think he needs to just go home at this point? Yeah, he needs to go where he feels wanted, where he's going to be useful, uh, where he can start to, to develop those things that we need to see from. Because I'll say, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I can't think of another player who we more need to be in form for the World Cup. Because he, to me, represents a lot of what U.S. football is about. And that is just that F you attitude. We're going to come at you. We're going to come at you hard. Um, and we're, we're, it, it, you may not have you know, well, you may have more talent than us, but you're not going to outwork us. Uh, and I don't even see any of that spirit in him anymore. And I want to see that come back. So yeah, go back there, get it going. However, by whatever means necessary and let's get ready. 
If he if he sticks around in Europe, does he uh, make the Euro roster for the Ukraine friendly? No, no chance. Clinton's right. very clear on this stuff. Uh, you know, you got to be you got to be playing, you got to be in form, and he's neither. Uh, I I think I agree there. Uh, that kind of brings us to our you know every, we do every episode our best eleven. Uh, based on form at the moment. We're going to stick with European players only this time since this upcoming roster is supposed to be Euro-heavy and may not include any MLS players. So uh, last time I kind of named my guy first. This time I'll let you do it, so I'll have to come up with the, you know, uh, witty retorts. Uh, <laughs> at Keeper, who do you have as the best 11 right now? You're going to be surprised I got Timmy Howard. Oh, man, huge surprise there, huge surprise. I know, there. right? Yeah. It, yeah. It's all staccato. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think uh, it's getting a little loopy there. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree it's uh, Timmy Howard, and it's going to be hard to see him getting wiped away from any best 11 at this point uh, forward unless she just has a colossal drop in form, and that would be okay because Braggazan's pretty good. So let's get right into the back line. Uh, right back, who do you have? Yeah, I, seeing as how pretty much everybody is injured, um, Chandler and Trundolo, I would I would have to put uh, Eric Lehigh there. Even though he's not really playing, there's not a lot of uh, defensive depth in Europe there, Patty. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, the, the big debate there, I mean, I would absolutely love to see, uh, love to see Lehigh uh, show what he's got at that right back slot. Though right now, I think I'm going to have to say at this point, and, you know, we're going to have to say, stick with uh, Jeff Cameron at that right back slot. And I, and I do think he's going to occupy it come World Cup. Uh, so that, that's got to be my right back at the moment. But I, I, if Lehigh is healthy for this Ukraine friendly, I absolutely want to see him come in and see what, if he can build on some previous camps. Uh, that brings us to the next, uh, the center back tandem. Who do you have? Uh, well. I'm going to go ahead and surprise you here. I'm going to go with uh, some oldies um, and not necessarily goodies. <clears throat> Again, injuries wreaking havoc on people. But uh, Gooch wasn't in the squad, uh, but, you know, he's healthy-ish. Uh, so I'd go with Gucci uh, and Guayu. And uh, what about Jonathan Spector as the other center back? That w- is certainly not- interesting. That is uh, certainly interesting and maybe insane. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Spectre's had certainly some mixed, uh, appearances with the national team, but he is certainly a jack of all trades. Um, I'm going to go with, you know, some also kind of older players, but, uh, uh, one is really out of the, uh, out of left field. I'm going to first start out, look, cause, you know, I think Klinsman must get a lot of young guys involved. He's been doing that. He did that in uh, January. I think Will Packwood out in Birmingham is going to be one of your center backs, possibly. Who may start and uh, is probably one of your better healthy guys right now. And the other one, a blast from the past, who uh, was the center back of the future for all of five seconds, uh, Tim Ream, who's uh, playing fairly regularly in Bolton. Um, again, uh, you just have a, th- a very thin center back in class right now. So I'm going to go with th- those two, giving it a shot. Now, are you just in a uh, RB apologist? Are you on their payroll or what? I mean, just to, to like everything that's ever come through there. I am done. I'll, I'll right now. I'll tell you, I'm done with Gooch. I, I know you, you. You're on the Gooch thing there. And, I'm not on the Gooch thing, but I I value experience. I just I don't see it in Gooch anymore. I mean, I get the experience. I just every subsequent appearance he's had has just been underwhelming and. Yeah. 
he's Listen, 31. I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying I will, if, if I were going into an actual game that mattered, I'd want someone with experience. I'm kind of sounding right now like the, the fucking guy in uh, – your fantasy football league that always like, you know, he picks the guy that's been retired for two years just because he remembers his name. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying, you know, if, if I were going into war, I'd want to go in with a guy that I know has been there. And, you know, I could be wrong, but that's, that's kind of what I'm skewing toward with this team selection. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Fine. I'll go with it, but I'm still sticking with my guys. So, <laughs> That brings us to the left back situation. Who you got there? Uh, Fabian Johnson. Yep, I think that's pretty much a no-brainer right now. Um, busted up his hand, but still capable of playing. He may get a reprieve from this friendly because of that, but I don't know. I think they're so thin, they're going to bring him in. That brings us to the two uh, defensive midfielders. Who you got there? Okay, now, this is where I'm going to really mix it up for you. Uh, because, uh, you know, Stoke plays Cameron a little at midfielder. So I'm putting uh, Cameron and uh, Jermaine Jones at midfielder. Uh, If uh, Jermaine Jones' hamstring wasn't tweaked right now, I would agree with you. Well, I'd agree with you on Jermaine Jones. I I would take Jermaine Jones on one leg over (laughs) the defensive midfielders that we have playing in Europe. Uh, but you know, I'm definitely I'm Cameron right back. I'm on that train. I'm not getting off it. I'm sticking. I get, I get you, but I'm saying you have to have a little bit of flexibility because you want to be strong in the middle of the field. I think Cameron is a guy that you can move around a little bit. He is a little bit flexible. Uh, you know, he's he's got the size that you want for a midfield guy. I would just, you know, in, in this instance, since you're so, you know, thin in the middle, just. Move him a little bit. I'm just I'm told I told you before I'm being crazy, but this is what I would do. Here's who I got. Again, going with the young theme and with the fact that he's playing very well right now in the English uh, Championship League. Danny Williams from Reading as one of my guys. No, that's good. I could go with that. I, well, I like Williams. Okay, and then as my two way guy that to play alongside him, Sasha Question. Okay. Yeah. So that that's who I got there. All right. So let's uh, go out to the right wing. Uh, who you got there? I would put question out wide okay. uh, because I think uh, a big problem – now, see, I've put Lehigh right back. You know that he's not going to hold too well. I think you need a guy who's who's not going to give up possession too easily on that right-hand side. So I I trust Kleistian. Um He's not too flashy, but I would put him out on the right-hand side and trust him to not – put you in a bad situation i i've never been a big fan of him out wide i've always been more impressed when he's been moved more centrally Uh, i'm never impressed with kleistian but i'm just saying i i trust him to not lose possession i'll give you that i'll give you that here's who i got this is someone i also don't necessarily love at that right right wing but he impresses me more is uh alejandro bedoya uh i think he's uh he's shown decently when he's been thrown out wide um so that that's who i got it right wing you're go- yeah you're going for solid but unspectacular and i think you know, in a different way than i am yeah well i mean i don't know where the, the spectacular is that's in europe right now it all came home this summer or this winter um, well the better the better than average came home the average stayed I, you know i don't i don't know if we have many spectacular players yeah true dad you know, true dad as it is, you know, we complained a lot in earlier episodes about how much uh, 
you know, Europe hates American players. Well, looking at our pool on, you know, Yanks Abroad, there are, we don't have a lot of good players playing overseas anyways. I mean, no, no. good reason for, for, uh, for our friends across the pond to hate us. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, let's uh, let's get that that central attacking second forward uh, position. Who you got there? Mix Discrude. I'm with you right there. I can't think of another player right now that plays centrally who could. I mean, maybe Budoy actually could slide in. I know he used to be play a little more centrally, but I'm definitely sticking on the Discrude there. Uh, left wing. Who you got? Brexhay, and not that I like Brexhay. But that Breck Shea is, you know, the lesser of all evils. Uh, yeah. And he has bright <laughs> shoes, very bright shoes. So there you go. I 100% agree. There, There's just not another good, great option. I mean, he's been playing okay from what I've read uh, in Barnsley. Um, so, yeah, Breck Shea, and he has shown those flashes. Usually only late in the game after he's been subbed on the bench, but... I don't know who else you're going to do. Uh, and then uh, up top, I think, I assume we're going to have the same guy. We'll find out. Uh, I just can't, I can't give up on Josie yet. I can't. <laughs> it's just, I, and you're, you're a Red Bull guy and you should not be giving up on Josie either. Um, yeah, I, I like, I like Josie up there still. Uh, I do like Johansson's form, but uh, yeah, for right now, I'm just one more week. Pat, one more week, I'm sticking with him. <laughs> yeah, I, I I get it. And uh, I I think he will probably still start for Klinsman. But, if I again, if I'm going to have to go best 11 on form, it's Aaron Johansson. He's playing lights out. And I would love for Altidore to start challenging him a little more and scoring some goals at Sunderland. But for now, I want to see uh, Kevin Bacon do his thing. Really? Yeah. So, but that's, uh, there you go, American fans. That's how thin we are in Europe right now. That's the starting 11 <laughs> we could come up it's with. It's unspectacular, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, let's hope Ukraine brings their, their B team or whatever. But, uh, it, it should be an interesting match nonetheless. All right, so you may have been pretend, uh, paying attention to Twitter world. There have been some leaked kits. Uh, word is the home kit is probably the actual, uh, home kit for this World Cup. Uh, I have heard that the man who leaked the away kit is well known for leaking nonsense. And, uh, it is not, in fact, the, uh, away kit. Uh, the home one is, uh, it's like a polo type jersey, uh, with the original, U- not the centennial. It's been replaced by the, the old U.S. soccer crest. And then the away one is like blue on top. A blue shield with red on the bottom two-thirds. It's not – it's kind of weird looking, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the kids, I, I'm i just going to let you go because I know you want to go on this. So what do you think about the league kits for U.S. soccer? Well, Pat, I think you can guess I hate them. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is um, about – about these kits recently uh, for the U.S. men's team. Haven't really liked them too much. They're pretty boring. Uh, and this, it's, I don't know, I guess when you're, it, it's a lot better than our 94 World Cup jerseys with the stars and stripes on them that uh, are so famous. And, you know, we have the, the you know, kind of great images of, 
you know, the players running around in those, playing against Columbia. Uh, yeah, I hate those jerseys more. But these are very plain. Uh, not a whole lot going on there. It's not something I'd wear with pride. And, you know, just talking about it in general, I think there's not a real strong sense of identity for us. Now we've got, we started to go with really consistently the white kit is our home kit and that sort of thing. That's fine. That kind of starts to identify it. But I think you can, you can know exactly. I say Argentina. What comes to mind? The, the blue and the white vertical stripes, you know? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, I say Spain. You say, a, a field of red with yellow on it, you know? Uh, I say Germany, it's black. I mean, the, you have an idea of what those teams are, and we kind of just flip-flop back and forth. And I would say uh, th- that the, the the logo, the it's, it's kind of weak, and it comes from an era in U.S. soccer when we were, you know, kind of not that great. <laughs> yeah. And I really think that it's – it's probably time, this is just me, I think it's probably time for us to really consider what image, because we're starting to arrive, what yeah. image do we want the world to see? I love, not just, I like the England kits, and the England kits can a lot of times be boring, but there's, you know, the three lions means something. And, and that's a really great logo that, that you know, we kind of identify with and, and we love. And there's a lot of countries out there that have real strong... Um, it's just like branding. It's just like marketing. We want to see uh, a strong image. Now, uh, I, I loved the Nike don't tread jerseys. I mean, the, the don't tread logo with the snake wrapped around the, the football. I think that's, that's great. And, you know, Santa Claus, you know, the, our image of Santa Claus actually was a Coca-Cola ad. So why couldn't we adopt something like that? <laughs> um, but there are a lot of images that go with being American that are strong, powerful images. And I think we should incorporate, it's time to incorporate one of those into a new logo and a new identity. And yeah, we're going to stick with the whites being our, uh, you know, our home kits and we're going to stick with the blues or the whatever being our road kits. And we're going to, we are going to make an American identity. So when people see us step on the pitch, they know exactly what they're getting out of us. And they, and it goes along with the way that we play. That's just me. That's a rant. Whatever. Well, the first thing I can say is uh, blame Phil, Phil Knight at Nike, who, you know, I think has like ADHD and can't sit still on a design for more than five seconds. I mean, just look at the Oregon Ducks. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with you so much on the image. I thought the Centennial was perfect. Um, Centennial is nice, but it's not the American brand. It's, it's, I, it's better than what they're going back to, you know? At least that much, you know. Um, the U.S. soccer logo is very, I think like you said, it, it reminds us of an era where we weren't there yet, you know. So, so uh, yeah, I don't love it. That's my problem. The, the overall design of the, the leaked um, home jersey, I, I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that, um, with the collar and everything, that, you know, white, pristine, whatever. Um it's just that U.S. soccer I don't like. I wish they had stuck with the Centennial at least one more year. Um, the blue, the blue and red. Uh, I mean, what, what can you say? I, I, everything I've heard is that that one's complete BS, and that's not going to be anything. Um, I, I guess you know if we wanted to find, pick up a fun image, we could just have Uncle Sam just like you know smashing a soccer ball and laughing at the rest of the world because that's really the image of Americans. 
we think you're worse at everything. We're the best at everything. So I think it just needs to be something. Uncle Sam, maybe the double bird. There you go. Uncle the Sam giving the double bird. Eastern Orthodox. The What's that? The double bird is an Eastern Orthodox thing. What does that have to do with the United States? I mean, like, middle finger. The double bird. Uh, they don't call it the bird out out, out in the West? <laughs> I thought you meant the two-headed eagle thing. No, I mean, giving the middle finger to the world. <laughs> That's oh. the American way. Oh, come on. You don't, you don't believe that. It doesn't matter no, if I really I, believe I, that. I really do. Last thought on this. I really do like the Don't Tread uh, image. I like the, the way that they branded it. I wish we could just say, oh, you know what, Nike? Fine. Come in and you know, rebrand us. And then we're, we're good for the next 50 years because it's a strong thing and it it really does tie back to our history. Yeah. No, it certainly does. It has a rattlesnake on their shield. It it certainly does bring uh, it back to uh, the revolution, which is pretty damn cool. I'll give you that. America. America. What's next? All righty. Let's talk MLS because some big news came from MLS uh, the league, the team that dragged the attendance down, uh, from the year before last year with its complete and utter mismanagement of the franchise, Shivas USA, their owners have been bought out by MLS. So we no longer have to deal with Vergara and his utter nonsense. Uh, <laughs> what do you think here? I mean, was, is this a day for celebration? I, I mean, <laughs> are we finally going to be moving a little bit forward or, are there some things we may need to worry about now? What, what do you think about the big news of Chivas USA? Being- yeah, what do you? Th- I guess the big question is, what do we think that uh, MLS is going to do with that team? Obviously, they don't want to hold on to it for forever. Are they really that intent on keeping a team in, you know, in the Los Angeles, Orange County, whatever area, and making that uh, a, a strong rivalry? I kind of like the idea of having a team in San Diego, moving just a little bit south. Uh, or do you want to sell them to a group that's going to put them in another city and let, you know, kind of L.A. rule Southern California? Uh, those are some really good questions that I don't have the answer to because I'm not Don Garber. But, uh, you know, I, I think that whatever you do, you have to kind of stop this silly idea of we're going to allow owners to come in and do these real niche things like Chivas was trying to do. It was kind of a doomed idea from the start, and we kind of have to distance ourselves from this stuff. We're more mainstream than that now. We're more progressive, and we have to to kind of act like big boys, (laughs) so to speak. We, exactly, and, and I mean, if you if you agree with if you believe some of the leaked images, uh, they're going to become LA SC or FC, which I think is better. It's much better. We don't have to be called, you know, Bayern Los Angeles or something stupid like that. You know, to to go to some of those questions, I think one thing to consider is that they were the team was bought out for seventy million dollars. So you have to wonder, are they going to get the hundred million they're looking for if they put that team anywhere other than Los Angeles? Uh, you never know. I, I don't know. Uh, there's some motivated people out there that want to get on this train before it really pulls out of the station. Yeah. I, I'm personally on that side that I think they're only going to get that $100 million price tag they're asking for if they keep the team in L.A. Uh, I, the idea of putting it um, in their own stadium could very well be the, the kicker there. If they put 
find a way to build a stadium in L.A. proper instead of people having to drive all the way out to Carson, California, I think that's going to go a long way to helping whatever team moves in there. Uh, San Diego, I know I think I've had this discussion with our producer Jason Iapico at some point. Uh, San Diego, I don't love because San Diego right now is Club Tijuana territory. Uh, they have a very large fan base. And, y- yes, they don't necessarily play in uh, the same calendar. You'll have those few summer months without Tijuana competing. But I, I do worry about that a little. Um, and then moving elsewhere, again, I think it just comes down to that price tag. If you can get $100 million, $100 million bucks, or make some kind of profit and move this team somewhere else, uh then yeah, absolutely, and uh, but you know we'll uh, we'll definitely see what happens. I certainly don't think Chivas's roster is worth a hundred million. No, no, I, I think it's the, I really think it's the LA that is worth a hundred million. Yeah, the roster not so much. Although they've made a few interesting moves, it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens in this limbo moot year. I think their most promising Terry player that was Aloni from Chivas to Guadalajara, so you know he'll be gone in July. Yeah. Uh, so that is a huge news out of uh, MLS. But there's also some uh, other news. Uh, all right, some other interesting news uh, going into the MLS season, about a week and a half to go. Uh, there is a chance the Professional Soccer Referee Association may go on strike. Uh, word coming that the uh, professional referee organization, which manages the officiating in our pro leagues here, has threatened referees with retribution if they continued with union activities. Uh, so that is a big contentious issue. Uh, if the season did go on, they would be using replacement refs. Considering how malign, much maligned, uh, MLS refereeing is, how worried should we be about this prospect of replacement refs refing MLS games? Uh, you know, I, I think there's some level of worry, right? Like they'd be using probably college referees, right, to, to replace them. Uh, Maybe from the lingerie soccer league, they'll use their refs. Hey, that'd be nice. That'd be <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think there's some concern, but I don't think it's huge concern. Uh, the league's going to go on. The league is about the players. Uh, the league is about the, the talent on the field. The league is about creating, you know, offense and exciting soccer. And MLS is moving toward that. Uh, my biggest question with this whole thing is, you know, if MLS allows itself to get tied down into a lot of labor disputes, collective bargaining agreements coming up for the players as well here soon, uh, you know, how much is that going to really hurt the development of the league? And now that the league is becoming more important, how much more power the referees and the players have in determining how it moves forward. Uh, th- those are going to be really interesting things for me moving forward. And I think they're real things that Garber has to pay attention to in, in order for the game to continue to grow at the level it's been going. Uh, but obviously, you know, you can't uh, grow the league unfairly to the people who help make it what it is. Uh, and so it's something that I hope they come to a reasonable resolution on, but I don't think in terms of play, uh, you know, we always complain about refereeing. You're always going to find a way to complain about refereeing. Uh, so I don't see much difference there. We're going to, we're going to complain anyway, but uh, you know, we just want to see the best soccer moving forward, and the best league moving forward. And so to me, it's more a question of, of how we approach uh, labor issues in general as a league. Yeah, 
I, I think I agree. I think uh, for this uh, thing to keep growing, there definitely needs to be some kind of fair treatment to the guys who, as you said, are helping it grow. And uh, and and I think if and I do think uh, MLS will, and Pro uh, cave in on this issue just for the simple fact is if they do look at the NFL and what happened with the referees when they came in last time and and how much criticism and it, criticism that I think it sometimes can be um, overdone um, of refereeing in MLS that, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I think it's going to pass and we're not going to have to deal with that on opening day. All right. So we might as well start putting our flag down on some of the controversial issues of American soccer on this show. And as we're talking about MLS and as it's still the middle of a bitterly cold winter, uh, why don't we talk briefly about the idea of switching MLS to a winter schedule? Uh, one report that actually has come out recently that is something to be considered, and this is, uh, you know, from the New Jersey side of things, is how long it takes to remove snow without damaging the field at Rebel Arena. Now, that, that's obviously going to be a problem at all grass field uh, stadiums in the United States, uh, if especially, obviously, on the northernmost side. So... Winter schedule, what do you think? Is there ever a chance that, you know, that this will become a thing in America? Uh, there are people like Eric Winalda who say, and, and many others, who say that we will never get the players we want unless we move to a FIFA calendar. What do you think? I'm not necessarily sure that that uh, is true uh, because we've managed to draw some decent players as it is. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit on the downside of their career, but uh, you know we've got some some decent players here. However, I I think as long as the NFL throwball football is here, uh, it's not a wise thing to move mm. soccer uh, until we have soccer occupying seventy and eighty thousand foot dome stadiums. It's not a wise decision to move that. Now, I actually personally believe that there's a possibility that 25 years from now we're going to be having an entirely different conversation. And it's going to be what happened to the NFL and why is it no longer the most popular sport in the United States. And I think a lot of that has to do with head trauma. Uh, and it's, going to, it's becoming harder and harder for people to play American football uh, and, and to justify – the, the risk that goes into it. Of course, the head injuries occur in soccer as well, but not nearly at the rate that they do in American football. Uh, there's a lot of pummeling that goes on there. And so I think there's a chance that 20, 25 years from now, the NFL doesn't look the same way that it does. And there's a, there's a room there for soccer to move in on its popularity. But until, until such a time when the NFL is not king, I don't see it happening at all. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think uh, that yeah, that Hendry thing is absolutely something to be considered. I mean, like you said, sure. So, I mean, Taylor Twelman being one of the key examples. Head injuries do happen in soccer. Unfortunately, I mean, Taylor Twelman can host an ESPN broadcast without drooling all over himself, like some of these football players who just can't even remember who they are anymore. So it's certainly to a different degree. Although right. he might he might disagree with me. I, I don't know. I wouldn't uh, think soccer in itself as a violent sport, but I'd call I'd call football a violent sport for yes. sure. Yes, agreed. 
Yeah, yeah. Soccer's more injuries happen. Football is they're gonna happen. You know, and we and, want them to happen. In yeah. soccer, it <laughs> takes away from the game when we see someone get clobbered. In yeah. football, we are rooting for someone to get their head knocked off, and yeah. that's the difference. Well, I mean, you also heard about people this year with all the rules that have been instituted to protect the players. Say it's not football anymore, and uh, and uh, if that's going to continue. Um, yeah, the, the, the sport very well could decline, and we very well could uh, see a winter schedule here in the United States. But here, here, I have two two food for thought here, two questions here. One, if climate change is in fact happening, and they say we're in for Northern Europe getting a big chill, do you think it's possible they would move to a summer schedule like us? Sure, I think it's possible. And already some of those leagues take a Christmas break, take a month break, you know, uh, at the coldest time of the year. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. I don't think it's the most – I think it's likely that we move to a winter schedule, honestly. But yeah. and The other thought being if through back channels – and there's already a lot of stuff saying that the, the Cutter 2022 World Cup – and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second – is not going to happen. Uh if through back channels, someone's telling Sunil Gulati and Don Yarber, if you, cause we know Sepp Blatter hates that we're on a summer schedule. Sure. If, if they're saying you move to a winter schedule, you get the 2020 World Cup, 2022 World Cup, do you make it happen? No, I don't because, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna cannibalize your own league, uh, for the opportunity to host the World Cup. And I don't think it's necessarily that easy. And I would not do anything personally uh, to kowtow to set bladder. Of, of course. And I, I think I'm with you there a little bit. But a little food for thought. It was a similar, uh, I don't know when, if you want to say threat or offer made to Russia before they received the 2018 World Cup. And they promptly moved to a winter schedule. So, sure, of uh, course. Now, I'll say the one thing about this, too, about winter schedule is, as it relates to the NFL, is I think it is in Garber and MLS's best interest to be ready for any instance. Sort of opposite the way that the Rapids were ready to lose their coach, um, and they've completely bumbled the offseason. They need to be ready for any eventuality. So if something really dramatic happens to the NFL, or if – like you say, the, um, the powers that be in world football step in from FIFA and say, hey, we want to give you the World Cup, but you got to move to a winter schedule. They've got to be ready to have those answers and not deal with them um, on the fly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you agree. But, hey, they do that every time they bring in a new player to the league. They deal on the fly. Oh, take that, Garber. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty here. Uh, so we talked very briefly about the cutter, cutter, Qatar. Uh, does anyone know how to say it? I don't know. Uh, World Cup. And there is a it's recent. Qatar. Qatar? Alright. We're going Qatar. to Qatar. So let's go on to our Qatar watch 2022. So it has recently come out that, well, Cutter's not exactly up onto modern standards when it comes to labor practices. They kind of use something that's pretty much glorified slavery. Uh, so far, 400 Nepalese uh, immigrant workers have lost their lives working on construction projects across uh, Cutter. And mind you, that only makes up 20% of 
Cutter's uh, Cutter's work for um, immigrant workforce. That's a scary number, if, especially since we have eight years to go until this World Cup. How many people are going to lose their lives? Uh, there's word that these people come in without getting what the you know the money they're promised. Their passports are confiscating confiscated, and they walk extremely long hours in high heat. Very few water breaks or breaks of at all. How can global football at this point look at this and say this country has any right to host the World Cup? Never mind the fact that it's just going to be too damn hot to play these games in the summer. Well, I, it, first thing, Pat, is these this is not these are not new reports. It's not something that we we're just finding out about. Mm-hmm. We've been hearing about this for three, six, nine months. Yeah, <clears throat> that people are dying, people are being held to. You know, against their will, people, everything's being taken away from them. It's a really scary thought that this can be going on in 2014 somewhere in the world. And you know what? The the worst thing is that everybody is turning their their eyes away from it. Uh, FIFA especially. Uh, and there, yes, there's pressure now, and so we're hearing a little bit more about it. I absolutely think that. Uh, that something has to be done. The the Qatar government is just playing lip service to this mm-hmm. entire thing, saying there's nothing. Their their officer Bob Brady, you know, there's nothing yeah. to see here, kids. <laughs> uh, and it, it's it's no good. They're not making any steps to correct things. They're just denying what's going on there. Uh, and this is not just sour grapes from the U.S. losing this bid to Qatar. It is now a, a issue of justice, and if if FIFA can't step in here and do the right thing, as hard as it will be, because Qatar will have to be compensated, I assume, in some way for starting all these preparations in good faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got to step in and end this. The sooner, the better, because it's the only it's the only way to avoid. Uh, being completely torn apart in the court of public opinion, as far as I'm concerned. Maybe they're not concerned about that, but it, it it's just awful and it's terrible and your heart breaks for the people whose lives are being lost on a day, literally, daily basis over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I 100% agree with everything you said. And yes, I understand that. I agree with you. It's not just sour grapes anymore, but it's still admittedly going to sound like that when it comes from Americans, especially on American podcasts. Uh, I wrote about this for Empire Soccer uh, a couple days ago. Uh, I think the United States, what they need to do, Sino Nicolati is now on the executive committee. Uh, when this vote comes up, that's been rumored for the end of 2014. I think he needs to go in there and say, and not say bring this World Cup to the United States. I'm going to say bring it to Australia. Uh, Australia was in the bidding process for this World Cup. Uh, they have a lot of big stadiums already in place. They do need to renovate a bunch as well. It keeps the World Cup in the AFC, the same conference, and it gives it to a country that's never had it before, which is one of the, if you want to say, was one of the original appealing factors about Qatar. Um, there was that. I think that's what we have to give it up to lead the charge and get this thing the hell out of Qatar. I mean, we can always bid in 2026. CONCACAF itself would be overdue for a World Cup at that point. We'll just have to wait four more years for our Cup. I, I agree with you. I think this is despicable. The fact that this happens anywhere in the world is a, is an is a, it's an atrocity, and 
yeah, I think that's what's got to do. We we got to get together, get people like, all right, Australia, you ready to do this again? Let's do this. Can you do it in eight years? I think they can. And uh, let's get this thing to Australia. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, just knowing people in Australia, I'm not sure that they want that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure they want the World Cup. They um, really hated the experience of having the Olympics there. Mm-hmm. Um uh, because it's it le- it leaves quite a mess and really hurt their economy in some ways, uh, and so I'm not sure that they're going to want it there. But wherever you know, wherever it goes, I just I hope that people are taking this as, as seriously as it sounds like they're taking it, yeah. um, and they t- just put it somewhere where where this stuff is not going to be allowed to happen. Um, it because it's it, it's going to be a black mark on you know, the entire sport and not just yeah. um, one event or one country or one official. For, for what it's worth, I mean, FIFA for at least a little while now has seemingly kept its nose somewhat clean. So hopefully that's a sign that there is an attitude change in that organization. I mean, I say that with a heavy dose of skepticism. And uh, when this vote that is rumored to come up at the end of the year, they'll do the right thing and just move that World Cup out of Qatar. Uh, so, I think that pretty much covers all the topics we can. Uh, Chris, got anything last you want to say? Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> it, it's yellow red card time with our producer, yeah. Jason Iobica. Yeah, you can't, you can't forget this. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got it. All right. So, first off, uh, I actually forgot to add one. Pat, you were supposed to remind people at the top of the show that they could submit their own yellow and red cards. So, I'm going to give you yellow for that. I actually was, I didn't have that written down. So, that's another one right there. Well, now they can go back and listen to the show twice. They can, but <laughs> I put it in. The, I put it in the notes. You're supposed to mention that, so you get a yellow <laughs> for not listening to the notes. Um, Pat then gets a yellow for not thinking of Star Spangled Thons in a twist first. <laughs> <laughs> Chris gets a red for calling Pat a RBNY apologist because screw you, the Red Bulls are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say they were awesome. I just said they're. He was an apologist. Can I argue my red right. card? <laughs> Do you want to get sent off? All right. <laughs> Let me get through all of them. Then, we'll, then I'll decide if you can argue that one or not. Um, I, I gave Patty L for this one, but not, now I'm not so sure. Um, the chief issue is say discussion. There's rumors of that them being uh, named the LA Gunners. I think you mentioned uh, Bayern Munich instead. That was just so. being sarcastic. Yeah, the Gunners thing actually is uh, – there was a rumor that Stan Kroenke was going to try to buy them and um, and and put them on the same land that he's going to try and buy an NFL team and put them there or move the Rams or whatever. But Garber's come out and said no more um, multi – two teams for an owner. So that's been kind of put to bed. So the yeah, LA Gunners thing is done. All right. Then package another ye- yellow card for coming up with the Lingerie Soccer League just because <laughs> – um, then packets another yellow card for referencing Eric Ronaldo in the winter calendar discussion. Not that I don't think is what he says is valid, but just because you referenced him, I'm going to give you yellow for that. <laughs> um, and then you're, you both are going to get a card for this one. Uh, Pat, I'm giving you a red because of your supposed geopolitical obsession. Uh, it's Qatar. Qatar is how you say the name. Come on. And uh, Chris gets a yellow for that one because, one, he doesn't proclaim to know geopolitical stuff and he actually said it uh, correctly eventually so there you go 
So Fine. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be benevolent. I'm gonna let Chris argue his red card about the RBNY apologist stuff. Right, because I wasn't saying it was a bad thing. I was just saying that he's a shill for the team. <laughs> I'm a shill for Bolton now. It's all right. <laughs> uh, I I want to I want to make that a yellow, but considering Pat and I have a Red Bull show, I, I got to keep that at a red. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I never said anything negative. I'm not uh, saying, it's, but we have a Red Bull show, so come on. Okay, well that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Well, if you like Jason's uh, yellows and reds, you know, let us know. Uh, if you have some of your own yellows and reds, uh, give us a shout out. Um, and you know what? Frankly, give us an email. Leave us a comment review on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher Radio uh, coming soon and RSS, our RSS feed. You can visit our website, yanksgomarching.blogspot.com. You can, the email address for all those comments yellow cards and questions is yanksgomarching at gmail.com you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash yanksgomarching twitter at yanksgomarching i think you're seeing a recurring theme here you can find me on twitter uh, at pmacd82 chris at chris kaminsky 18 you find our producer jason at dr stooge all right chris got any last words i just want to make a heartfelt appeal all joking aside to Tim Hinchy, Paul Bravo, and the rest of the Colorado Rapids brass, hire a <laughs> coach already. <laughs> and please don't let it be Pablo Mastroini. Hey, Tim, uh, Mike Pecky worked out for us. Come on. Hey, oh, could... no. I, I, listen, I'm hoping for the Delhi Valdezes. There you go. All right. So that brings to close our fourth episode of the Yanko Marching Podcast. We'll probably bring another one back to you soon with the Ukraine match coming up next week. For myself, Chris Kaminsky, and Jason Ipico, we will see you later. Peace!